Thank you, guys. Welcome to everyone. It's great to be in church, and it's great to be the church, worshiping the Savior together and um, fellowshipping and hearing from His Word. And um, I've got a word I'd just love to share with you today, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Before we do, um, just want to just uh, let you know that in a couple of weeks' time, on the 23rd of February, men ages 15 or 16 and older, we're actually putting on a, a program, if you like, a, a series where we're going to be talking about becoming a strong man or being a strong man, what it means. And I'd love for every man to be part of it. Here at Hawkesbury, we're doing it in this auditorium. And um, we're hoping that uh, not only people from our church, but we're inviting the community to come. I've, I've got about three or four people who aren't part of our church who are thinking about coming, which is great. I'm inviting them because I think the issue of men being men is a massive issue in our society. And I think the church should actually find answers and put it towards people. Now, we can't make anyone do anything, but we can actually show what we believe God's plans for a man is. And it's going to be great. 7.30 here on the 23rd of February. For if you're at home, if you're in Mountains or Penrith, um, I'm going to encourage you to actually get a group together for a living room in a home. And um, we're going to be live streaming that session. And, and we, but we need everyone to register. So register, you can find the information on social media. And, and um, we, want to have we want to be able to facilitate this well. So just register, that would be great. Okay, or you can go info at strongnation.church, email to find out more information. Is that cool? Great. Also, 7th of March, we're going to be having our first first Sunday of the year. And what that means is all other weeks of the month, we actually have homes and hubs. And today we have a hub open and you've all chosen to come to the hub. We've got a hub up at the mountains as well, but there's many people also meeting in homes right now. And I have to correct something. Someone thought I said homes and pubs. <laughs> I didn't. But I figured the idea of having church streamed into a pub is probably not a bad idea. So um, if you can do that, <laughs> you might just want to be accountable and let us know. Um, <laughs> that's great. Fantastic. Um, cannot wait to uh, see what God does this year in our life. Because I believe the word the Lord has shared with me is really strategic for our church. Behold, all things are new. And um, I'm, I'm seeing it work out in my life. The more and more the Lord shares with me and shows me. He's actually sharing with me some things. We brought up the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Last week, I'll read it to you again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Just interesting there. It reminds me of when Peter, you know, Jesus turned around to his disciples and said, How, who does everyone say I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter has this moment. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Peter's, uh, Jesus' response to that was very interesting. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. The Holy Spirit did. I'm wondering whether that's a moment where he was born again. He saw things differently. We now no longer regard, or we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Peter could bear witness with that at that moment. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. 
I believe in the new creation of Christianity. I believe in the being born again. I believe Rick Burrell, the old Rick Burrell, is dead and gone through the waters of baptism was a symbol of that, that um, he was dead and buried, and I do not want him to rise up ever again. So he's not in a coma, he's not asleep, he's dead, he's gone. Wouldn't it be terrible if he rose up again and started being old Rick Burrell again? You tell me you wouldn't like him, you'd hate him. But thank God the new creation is alive God made me a new creation. The old doesn't matter anymore. Behold, all things are new. This thing that only God can do makes someone a new creation. This thing that God, only God can do is, is take someone and have them be born again. But what I want to really focus on this morning is that first passage in verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I think when you're born again, you're a new creation, you see things differently. Remember when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, he said, Jesus, obviously you're from God. Obviously no one does the miracles you do unless they're from God. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Now, for some, it means that they can't be a Christian. I don't think that's what he's saying. Actually, what he's saying here, I think is what he's saying is he can't make sense of it. It doesn't make sense. He doesn't see the way the kingdom works. Note there, Jesus said, truly, truly. I don't think he probably repeated himself. Usually when you see that in the Bible, word after word, repeated, it just adds emphasis. In other words, when John heard this and wrote it down, Jesus said, you've got to understand this is important. Truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, the kingdom's not going to make sense to you. Wow. Then he goes on in verse 5. Jesus answered again. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter it. You, can't, you don't know what it is. The born again experience, the, the new creation is so important in Christianity. Why? Because it determines how you see things. The way the old Rick saw things is very different to the way the new born again Rick sees things. I see things in a new way. The born again new creation is such an important part for a Christian to walk a victorious life. And I think in order to be able to walk a victorious life, you've got to be able to see the kingdom the way God intended it to be seen. And not everybody does. Not everybody does. The, I think the hardest thing for a pastor is probably to see people who love Jesus, who are heaven bound, but yet live defeated. They don't live victorious. There's always something they're struggling with. It's gotta be the hardest thing for a pastor. You know, um, I've been that person several times where you know, I'm, I'm meant to be walking in victory, but I'm not, I'm not walking in victory. And I can relate. In fact, the Apostle Paul can relate. In Romans chapter 7, and I mentioned this last week, verses 18 to 19, Paul says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what I want to, but the evil I do not want, I want to keep on doing. Wow, 
Things I don't want to do, I do them. And things I do want to do, I don't do. I can relate to that. Paul actually goes on to comment in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He was frustrated. And as a pastor for many years, I've had that frustration trying to walk people through that. Because I think we can all relate to this. What's the answer? Well, Paul found an answer, as I expressed last week in my message. And that, that answer basically is about Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. It is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. It is the one I go to when I'm not doing well. It is the one I'm saying, God, I need some good doctrine now. I go to Romans chapter 8. Why? Because I want to live a victorious life. I think I have responsibility for my children's sake and now my grandchildren's sake to continue to walk a victorious life, not a defeated life. In fact, I think every Christian should walk a victorious life, not a defeated life. You don't have to walk defeated because Jesus was victorious and you belong to him. Amen? So we're going to look at Romans chapter 1 and we're going to work our way through Romans chapter 8. Oh, chapter 1, verse 1 in chapter 8. And I want to show you about this whole victorious life. There is therefore, Romans chapter 1 says, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you've opened up your Bible, you might not have seen that last part of the sentence in there. In fact, it's 50-50 split down the middle. A lot of versions don't have it, and a lot of versions do. I've done a bit of research on this. The earliest this was seen was around about the 4th century. It was added in there or, or was seen in there. Whether it was taken out, added in with the other ones, we don't know. But what we do know is that this context, it actually makes sense to have it in there. And I looked at it and I thought, what does it mean? What does it mean? You see, Paul, in context, is talking about a believer who is born again himself Remember Romans chapter 7? I try to do these things. I don't do them. I don't want to do these things. I do. He's talking about himself. And in context, he's a believer who's been born again. He had a born again experience on the road to Emmaus. Or road to Damascus, sorry. And um, here he is struggling with it. And he's, when we look here, we can see it's talking about people who, yes, have come to Christ. And there is no condemnation in that. Because they are saved through faith alone. Can I just establish that my doctrine is this, that only through faith in Jesus Christ you can be saved. That is it. Okay, there's nothing you have to add to that. You don't have to be a good boy. You don't have to be a good girl. The deal is if you have faith in Jesus Christ, genuine faith, you are saved. Okay? But he adds to it. There's no condemnation for those who walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I think he starts talking about justification, which is being saved, right? But then he moves into sanctification, which is being set aside for the holiness of God. Setting yourself apart for the holiness of God. That's what he's doing. What he's meaning in the scripture, and he's addressing the issue of living a defeated life. This, oh, wretched man I am. He's addressing that issue. And that issue is... You are born again, you are saved, and as you walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, you'll see it that way. It'll make sense to you then. It is when you're walking according to the Spirit, you understand that you're not condemned. The amount of times I've seen, especially young people, get condemned. They're Christians, 
but yet they get condemned because they did something wrong and, oh no, I'm in trouble, I'm terrible, I can never be any good. That's what this is addressing. There is no condemnation on your life. And if you walk according to the Spirit, you'll understand that. That's what I believe he's saying. In fact, he goes on for the next few verses really making that sound. And that's that, that phrase again, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, is in verse 4. He says it again and again. It's a beautiful piece of doctrine. They say that Romans is the greatest sermon ever written down. I agree in this passage. It's beautiful. We see things differently when we walk according to the Spirit. I actually think it's when you're born again, you can walk according to the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. When you're a new creation, we have the ability, if we walk according to the Spirit, to see things differently. And I think that's what Romans 8 is really getting at. You see, if I'm not walking according to the Spirit, I can be defeated. I can question my salvation. I can think that God doesn't care about me, doesn't love me. Am I, is he really close to me? I don't, even, I don't even forget who I am when I'm not walking according to the Spirit. In a world which is so highly secularized in which we live, in fact, I'd even suggest it's becoming anti-Christian in our world. Never had more necessity to walk according to the Spirit as we do right now. Amen? And he goes on and says it again. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Why? Because you know this now because you're walking in the Spirit. It's not because you're walking in the Spirit. You know it because you're walking in the Spirit. Amen? Verse 14, let's go down to verse 14. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now, anyone who's a Christian is a child of God, right? But he's actually making another comment. He's saying, but those who are led by the Spirit or walk according to the Spirit, they are the children of God. I actually think what he means here again is, you'll know that you're a child of God. It will make sense to you. You won't have to be convinced. You'll remember it, that he loves you as a father. He's not just some distant demigod somewhere. He's a God who is a father to you, and he wants that sort of relationship. You know, I'm, I'm amazed right now about identity and how prevalent it is in people's lives right now. I'm amazed by it. I'm amazed that, uh, you know, People are, are trying to find who they are basically in what they are rather than who they are. You know something? It's a trick that the devil will bring and it's not a new trick at all. Jesus was baptised in water. He comes up out of the water and the Father says something from heaven. Boom. This is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What was he doing? He was reaffirming Jesus' identity. He's about to launch into ministry. He's going to need to know who he is. You're my son, my beloved son, and I'm so pleased with you. It's out of the water and Bible records that he goes into the desert to fast and to pray, to set himself up for ministry. What happens? The devil begins to tempt him. Have you ever noticed how the devil tempted him? Every time it begins with, if you really are the son of God, he challenged his identity. Because if he forgets that one thing, he's powerless. 
He doesn't know who he is. It's important for us to know who we are. The devil will try and take away your identity. Your identity is not in what you do. Your identity is not even what you are. It's in whose you are. Amen. I think many people walk this defeated life because they don't realize that they're actually children of God. They're hoping they can get into the group, join the club. But you've got to understand, you didn't join a club. You were born into a family. Let's read on. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. Daddy, relationship. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I actually think the spirit of adoption is the born again experience. I think it is. Do you know, Naomi and I started a family and it seems like boys would come along every two years or so. You know, just wasn't much faith required in that. Didn't, didn't have to pay much for it. Didn't, it just, just kept happening. I remember my, fastest, my pastor saying, again? <laughs> yep, that's number four, Pastor Jack. <laughs> Another boy. And as you know, we've adopted our daughter. Wasn't so easy to get a girl. And we sought it out. It, we, we, we got on our knees and we prayed about it. Didn't have to pray for the boys. We were just blessed in that way. But we sought her out. We labeled it. We, we, we put it in the diary. We prayed. We, we, we got before God on this one. We saved. We did whatever we could. Why? Because we were desperate to have her in our family. You see, the spirit of adoption is a beautiful word saying about how God got us to be part of his family. He went out of his way to get you. He put himself maybe on some sort of waiting list. I don't know. Waiting for the time for you to come along and say, God, come into my life. And at that moment, the spirit of adoption, boom, born again, come into your life. Do you realize you received the spirit of adoption? Every one of us. Your identity is child of God. Your, your identity is not in your preferences. Your identity is not in your skin color or your shape face, face shape or whatever. It's not in that. Your identity is not whether you wear glasses or not, four eyes. I realized something. I'm not a middle-aged white male. That's not my identity. I'm not a four-eyed, chubby, straight guy. I'm a child of God. Full stop. That's who I am. Amen? Don't get, you know, what you'll notice if you try and find your identity in anything else, it separates you. It divides and what we're seeing in the world right now, this whole identity crisis, it's actually a division that's hitting nation after nation after nation. Don't buy into it. Well, no matter what you do, who you are, you are a child of God. Amen? Amen. And he loves you. I remember hearing a story about a young teenager, a rebellious young, young coot who... Uh, started getting really convicted and wanted to go to church because just maybe he might find some peace there, you know. And he, he walks in the church and the, the whole town knew who he was and he's in the back 
there. And right at the end of the sermon, the, the preacher, big, bold guy, finishes his sermon and walks straight up to this young man and says, I know you. Oh, and this young man's, oh no. His reputation was pretty long. I know who you are. This little boy just wants to run, but he can't. He's cornered. I know your father. And he looks just like you. You look just like him. It's the father God and he loves you, son. That boy began to weep and weep and weep because that's what he was craving for. I'm a child of God. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Amen? Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, when you walk according to the Spirit, you not only see that you're forgiven and saved and, and victorious, you not only just see that you're actually his child, you actually see that God is for you. He is so for you. We'll sing in that song. I was so glad we'll sing that. That's nice and appropriate. That's an amen. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. I guarantee you there's people who are hearing that saying, no, he's not. No, he's not. How could he be for me? Some people saying, you know, oh, how, if, 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 if God knew my journey, he does. Because he said he'd never leave you. And when you understand and you begin to walk in the Spirit, you understand that He doesn't leave you. He goes through valleys with you. He carries you. He needs, you know, I don't know why we go through difficult times. I don't know why those sort of things happen. I have no explanation. But what I do know is that He doesn't leave you. And it's those who walk according to the Spirit, they get this. Oh, mate, I see some people who go through the most horrendous things but they walk out strong because they know God is with them. If God be for me, who can be against me? He ever sacrificed his own son so that I could walk in this walk. How much more would he give for me? How much more? That's what it's saying here. Let's read on. It says here in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you know you're a conqueror? Do you know he is so for you that he's turned you into a conqueror? You can overcome. We've been made overcomers in his sight. Do you understand that? There's nothing that can hold you back. There's nothing that can stop you because he's with you. How much more would he give you what you need? John chapter 15 says, if you abide in his word and his spirit abides in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be given unto you. What I've learned is as I walk in the spirit, my want changes. Maybe from a red Ferrari to peace in my home. What I want, I cry for, and my heart, he gives it to me. Because I understand when I'm walking in the spirit, what really matters becomes my desire, not the red Ferrari. However, that would be cool. 
if you have a spare one. Actually, I'm thinking a 1966 Mustang would be really cool. When you're walking according to the Spirit, all this comes true. But the Christian who walks according to the flesh, it makes no sense. You can't, it, it doesn't, you, you don't feel as though God's with you. Where was God when I went through this? Where is he now? I feel so alone. Friend, I want to suggest that maybe it's because you're walking according to the flesh, not according to the Spirit. I wish sometimes, you know, by no means have I lived a perfect life, nor, you know, the model Christian life. I haven't walked that life by any means, especially as a young man. But I wish I had the eyes to see how much he was with me. I do know one day, walking down the freeway, running down the freeway, getting hit by a car at 80 k's an hour, all I remember was he held me in his hands. He was with me. He was with me. But there's several times where I got frustrated, I got depressed, I got fearful because I forgot that he's with me. I was walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. Those who walk according to the spirit understand that I'm a conqueror because he's with me. Amen. And finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you walk according to the Spirit, you see God's love for you. Again, we sang that song. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And I guarantee there's some people here and you're thinking, does He? Really? Absolutely. He loves you and there's nothing that can ever stop Him from doing that. He is so insanely in love with you that he would even lay down his own life, his son's life, so that you could find that love. He never stops loving you. And it's when we walk according to the Spirit, we can accept that. It takes all the barriers out, Lance. When you walk according to the Spirit, it's like the Spirit walks you around the barriers. Oh, how can he love me? How can he do that? He just does. I think about my life and what I've done in the past and things I do. How could he really love that? He does. And he says he does. And he shows that he does. But if I walk according to the flesh, I don't get to see that. I can't see it. He wants to pour favour out on your life. You've heard me say for the last 12 months, the favour of God is on you, church. And there would have been many going, oh yeah, right, right, right. No, no, you've got to understand it. It is on you. But when you walk according to the Spirit, it becomes real to you. I'm convinced of it. You want favour on your family? You want the love of God to be through your family? Walk according to the Spirit. And He shows you. Last week, I think I failed to mention, but I have mentioned it on social media. Um, I want to begin a fast tomorrow. Because today's Valentine's Day. Love to all you. I gave my wife a back rub. That's enough, right? I want to start a fast 
a three-week fast. I'm going to ask you whether you want to join me, church. Everyone at home too, if you'd join me. Reason why is because Paul actually states in Galatians chapter 5, the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. And they are. It's a battle. I find in my life, here I am trying to walk with the spirit, but the flesh sort of sticks its head up a fair bit. My desires, what I prefer, my laziness, my way rather than God's way. You know, you know what God wants, but you sort of don't do it because the flesh sort of is a little bit too strong sometimes. And fasting is a great opportunity for you to say, hey, flesh, I'm going to get you to pay a price this time and I'm going to let my spirit be fed. Because I want to walk according to the spirit and I want my spirit to tune into Holy Spirit much more. I want to get to know him again more. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave the type of fast up to you. Maybe you want to do a Daniel fast or... There's a thing called Cornelius fast. There's a whole bunch of fasts. For me, I'm going to miss one or two meals a day. But the most important part is not the missing of the meal. The most important part is what I do at that moment. And I'm going to set myself aside that time to maybe get into his word or just to meditate. I'm going to put away the news items I like to check out. And maybe all the beekeeper information, which I love reading, I might just put that aside. Oh my goodness. Because I don't want my flesh, even any nice parts of it, I I don't want it to benefit. I want my spirit to benefit from the fast. And I'm just going to spend those times just waiting on Him and making sure that it becomes easier and easier for me to walk in the spirit. That's how you do it. Allow your spirit to become more in tune with Holy Spirit. Maybe the new creation in you is feeling a little bit old. Why don't you join me on the fast? Maybe you miss a meal a day. Maybe two. Maybe you can, maybe you can go hardcore. But the most important thing is not what you can miss. It's what you can gain. Maybe turn off social media. Oh, let me tell you, you'll be a lot healthier if you do mentally three weeks turn off the news items turn off the gossip and just allow God to speak to you through his word and I guarantee you if you do that for three weeks you'll come to me and say Rick I don't want to stop I don't want to stop because it rejuvenates you you begin to see things differently You understand this beautiful salvation that He just poured out upon you. You get it. There is no condemnation. I can't be condemned. Yes, I'm imperfect, but He doesn't seem to care about that. You get to see that you are a child of God and you don't have to search for your identity anywhere else. You get to understand that He is so for you that every conquer that He has done is actually your conquering. He wins victories for you. He helps you become a conqueror. He is so for you. He wants to bless you and pour out His favour all over you. And then you also understand more how much He loves you. You get, I call it, you get to feel the shine of His smile as you begin to meditate and He just begins to love you. So would you join me on the fast? Three weeks. We'll finish the fast on the 7th of March, which is our first Sunday. And we're all going to be, I'm going to ask everybody to come to church that day. 
Even if you're a bit tired, it doesn't matter. Come to church. Oh, but there's something else on. No, no. Let's honour God that Sunday and let's come to church and be His body. All right? And I would suggest afterwards we might have some Tim Tams or something like that just to break a fast in a very unhealthy way. That'd be nice. What do you think, board member? Yep, done. It's official. We're doing Tim Tams. Would you join me? This year, what I'd love for us to do is see every Christian, not only just say, I've decided to follow Jesus, take it beyond the decision and get into this born again state. Understand that you're born again. Maybe you haven't been. Well, friend, I can't do it. Only God can make someone born again. Maybe you've been going to church and you have never been born again. Well, maybe today's your day. Why don't you do it? We're going to spend a bit of time worshipping Him. And I find if you cry out to Him, He will always answer. Why don't we just spend a bit of time today just worshipping Him? And if you have never solely surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, why don't you do it as we worship? That's simple. I'm a sinner, God. I know I can't do it on my own. I need you. Please forgive me of all my sin. I want to be born again. See what He does. I've been praying for you. I've been praying that many people will be born again this year. It's a spiritual thing. And then from that moment, begin to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And everything we'll see, you'll see will be different. Amen. Let's all stand. At home as well. Come on, why don't you begin to cry out to God right now? We're going to sing this song. And I pray over you. Come on, let's sing it, Lodge.